There was one man who Jesus himself said was the greatest man born of woman. As we study through the life of John the Baptist, we will discover why God used him in such a powerful way. Join us now for today's study. Today we begin a special journey with John the Baptist. One of the great ways to study the Word of God is to study it based on the great characters that are given to us in Scripture. You see, I believe the Holy Spirit chose to emphasize certain people's lives because there are great truths in those lives that we need to learn. And John the Baptist is one of those people. He stands head and shoulders, it seems, above so many other Bible characters. He's the one man that Jesus said never was a greater man ever born of woman. Now that's quite an endorsement, I would say. And so as you open your Bible to the New Testament, the first great character that we're introduced to is this man now known as John the Baptist. Now I want to talk to you about so many things about John's life and ministry, but I want to begin by talking to you about John's family. You see, God designed that family would put in the foundation for all of life. Uh, that every bit of your life could draw from the early years. I'm more and more convinced as I study the life of John the Baptist that that is exactly what he did in John the Baptist's family. You see, the most famous family at the opening pages of the New Testament is Jesus' family, obviously. Joseph and Mary and the Lord Jesus. But actually, the first family that God begins to work in and work through at that time in history was John the Baptist's family. Remember, he's the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He came first. And this first family, I believe, reveals a number of first principles that ought to be true in our home. Now, some of you may be saying, well, I don't have my own family yet. I'm not uh, responsible yet for that. Well, then this is something you can apply and work towards in the future. Perhaps you came up in a family that was less than what it should have been. Well, then you ought to make up your mind today by the grace of God, you're going to begin the right kind of heritage for the next generation. You see, I believe that John the Baptist's life and family actually reveals the Heavenly Father's heart for the home. For example, when you end the Old Testament, in Matthew chapter 4, there's a promise about John the Baptist coming. He's talked about as the one coming in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah. Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. And what would his ministry be? The Bible says that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Well, when you come to Luke chapter number 1 and you read about the family of John the Baptist, that exact scripture, that very promise is applied to John the Baptist. The Bible says, And he, John the Baptist, shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I believe this. I believe God designed that spiritual awakenings begin in the home. Now, I'm grateful for everything that happens at the church house. But churches are made up of families. And the basic unit of society, of civilization, 
is the home. God established this institution and designed it to be the garden out of which every other good thing should grow. Now, none of our homes is what it ought to be. There's not a perfect family among us, including John the Baptist's family. And yet, John the Baptist's home life and the little glimpse we're given to the early years and the heritage that he had, I believe, is an indicator of why John had such strong faith in God. Let's look at the individuals in this first family today. First of all, there's a couple, a married couple. By the way, that's where God designed that home begin with one man and one woman for one lifetime. And this couple is made up of a husband and wife named Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. So when we first meet them, they're an older couple. And not only are they an older couple, like every couple, they have their problems, they have their hurts. Maybe you're dealing with something today and you think you're the only person. Friend, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Oh, but God is faithful. Zacharias and Elizabeth, no doubt, like all Jewish families, had prayed for a baby. They wanted a child and God, for some reason, had not seen fit to give them one. And yet, the Bible says they were both righteous before God. I love this. They were right with God. They were faithful to the Lord and they were faithful to each other. They were a testimony of the grace of God even through the disappointments of life. May I say to you, this is God's design for marriage. God wants you to be right with Him and right with one another. He wants you to be faithful and true no matter what comes your way in life. Now, if you look at this couple individually, you find that Zacharias was a man who's serving as a priest in the temple, and yet he had his own doubts. As a matter of fact, it says in verse 8, it came to pass that while he executed the priest office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And of course, this angel came to d deliver the message that they're going to have a baby, they're going to have a child. One of the things that I think is interesting is it's evident Zacharias knew how to pray. He, he had been in the presence of God. He was there offering incense. Dad, do you know how to pray? Husband, do you know how to pray? Are you leading your family? Do you have a family altar? Do you pray together as a family? I wonder how long Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying for a child. No doubt so long, perhaps now they no longer even prayed for that child. No longer expected an answer to that prayer. Whatever it is you've been praying for, my brother, my sister, don't give up. Keep on praying. God is listening. Because when the angel shows up, he says to him that his prayer is going to be answered. He says in verse number 13, The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. So here's a father that knows how to pray. And a mother, Elizabeth, who is a humble, holy woman. A woman who knows what it is to worship God. As a matter of fact, at the end of Luke chapter 1, 
In verse number 41, we get a little glimpse of her when she's talking with Mary. And the Bible says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. She spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I'm telling you, you can criticize Zacharias and Elizabeth if you want to. These are not perfect people, and they, they have their doubts even in the midst of this chapter. But they're people that know how to pray. And they believe God and worship the Lord, and they pass on to their son John a goodly heritage. I'm thinking of the verse down in the Psalms, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. And I'm thinking now personally about my own grandparents who are all with Jesus. I preached their funerals. But they were the Lord now, but they left us something. Oh, something better than money. They left us a heritage of faith and a heritage of prayer. A heritage that expected to see God do something. My friend, if you receive that kind of heritage, stop right now and thank the Lord for it. Praise God for that kind of family. And if you haven't, or if you have either one, would you make up your mind by the grace of God, that's the heritage you're going to leave. You see, my friend, everybody's going to leave something behind. We know much more about John the Baptist than we do Zacharias and Elizabeth. But I tell you, in heaven, Zacharias and Elizabeth are people honored and blessed and rewarded of God because they raised their son in a home that feared the Lord. And by the grace of God, that's what all of us need to do. Don't make this journey by yourself, my friend. Make it with your whole family. Bring them along for the ride. Take them with you nearer to God, into His presence. And may the Lord help you today to enjoy the journey. Thank you for joining us for today's study. On our website, scottpauley.org, you'll find a link through which you can invest in the gospel. Would you consider giving a gift to help us extend God's word to others? You'll also find many other encouraging resources. Until we are together again, may God help you enjoy the journey.